guys. Welcome to Queer Alien Blast. Uh, this is episode 52. We're recapping the 12th episode of the fourth season, the penultimate episode. We're almost done with the entire show, which is uh, unreal and doesn't feel like it's, I don't think it's hit me yet until you really have until the end of the next episode. But uh, we'll start with Liz and Max like normal. We won't change it up here at the end. But um I really this episode is Liz and Max, Michael and Alex, and everybody else. <laughs> There's it's just sort of bits and bobs everywhere. Um, I really enjoyed Max in this episode, which is always a weird feeling. I never know what to do with what? I know I never know what to do with episodes where I actually enjoy Max, but I um I still am struggling with Max getting back his powers. Obviously, they needed him to. That was the whole point. Still think it would have been more interesting if he had stayed a human and lost all of his abilities, but we knew that wasn't going to happen, so got that out of the way pretty quick. I think this is probably one of the most vulnerable episodes we've seen, Max. Like, admit that he's scared, admit that he's worried, and all of these things, and have to reveal that vulnerability to Tezka and Isabel to a lot of people. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, I think the same can be said for Liz. But once again, hiding something big from the people who needed to help her is just so self-sacrificing Liz that it drives me insane. Um, because then, of course, later on, which we won't, we're not there yet, but later on, it causes Kyle to feel guilt over not noticing. And it's like if she had just been honest from the get-go. But I get it. Yeah, I agree. I really liked um, Max's parts of the episode. Liz, I'm a little bit more on the fence about, mostly because I still don't really get the um, addiction storyline with her. So this being all a consequence of that storyline and still kind of a little bit that storyline about addiction and Rosa being her um, sponsor and all of that, was kind of like, I mean, if if we had a f- if if they started this at the beginning of the season, maybe they could have done something that was repetitive because we had Rosa with the addiction already. But it would have been something that might have been done well, and this well, and was Rosa, just too quick. And Rosa being her sponsor feels very quick for Rosa, right? Mm-hmm. She was still struggling not that long ago. Not that she's not actively working on her addiction at all times, but this is something that's relatively new for Rosa as well. And so now she's the voice of reason for Liz and having to be sort of the pillar of strength for Liz, but who's checking in on Rosa? Who's, who's (laughs) making sure that this is, you know, this is good for her. It's just, it's a wild choice. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is one of those things that suffers from, not having a 22 episode season you know this is something that could have been explored deeply like across multiple episodes and instead you know it's another example of good intentions but we have 13 episodes we have 45 minutes per episode and there's only so much you can dedicate to everything it's just so funny because we've been saying this from season one and it's like they still haven't learned that they only have 13 episodes like it's still like the writers which i mean if they are cw writers who wrote for other cw shows who have 
22 seasons 22 episode seasons I can understand that but at the same time it's been four seasons like always, what it always feels like is like they forget until about halfway through the season that they <laughs> episodes you know what I mean like the first five episodes you're like we're gearing up to have a really long one and then somebody goes oh shit we only have eight more episodes and then there we are um and you know, we've voiced our frustration before about, you know, introducing these really important elements or people that we're supposed to care about or storylines we're supposed to care about, care about, and then they are resolved immediately. Addiction is just not one you can do that with. I voiced that same opinion when we were talking about Isabel's abortion, things like that. You just, it, these are real actual things that affect people. And not that, you know, in some way, like, Liz is doing well. I just completely forgot the actress's name. That is how tired I am. She's doing so well with showing it. Like that part of it is done really, really well. Um, there's a lot of the good emotions, all those things, but it just feels like we're making light of something that's very, very serious because it's happening so quickly. I, her like losing the science, I guess here's what I'm not understanding. First of all, she didn't take drugs for that for long enough to even become a brain disease. I know that it's an alien drug, right? You don't become an addict immediately. It has to be over time, repetitive use becomes for to become an actual disorder, right? Like misuse disorder, right? Like it doesn't happen immediately and the long-term effects are not immediate. Like this is not, this is not how it works. So I don't know if we're supposed to believe because it's alien drugs that it's sped up those, but all of a sudden, this intense memory loss that she had to Google to realize was a thing. That's not going to happen after a few uses. I don't know. I don't, that, that's, that's a weird part for me. That's where I think they're failing is that this is not how addiction works for 99.9% of people. Yeah. I would think that the point was that the alien mist is so powerful that you would get addicted after one use and you would get serious damage from three uses i think that's that's the extent that we saw correlate it to like actual addiction you know yeah like it's that the distorts what actual addiction is and it doesn't it's a show about aliens it doesn't matter but yeah that's probably gonna irritate me a little bit um but this is in pretty intense i mean she's losing basic knowledge so i don't know how she's gonna gain that back you know she's yeah doesn't really understand basic science and is forgetting lots of things. I think with knowing now that they were hoping for a fifth season um, and writing season four, probably planning for a fifth season, that's probably what would have been the main storyline in season five. I, I could have seen that and trying to get her memories back her you know her brain back essentially when she's the one who had all that knowledge because you know Kyle has some of it Michael has some of it but they she's the one who made all of these discoveries um I think she wrote most of it down but some of it got burned by Max some of it got lost some of it got stolen it's just irony that could have had if we had a season five of Max needing some of that info that he burned down to make mm-hmm. it better. God, I can just, 
I'm mad all over again. I'm mad all over again. We don't get a last season. Yeah. It would have been good. And I was just, I know how serious the, the scenes, the Liz's scenes were. You know, she genuinely, literally has brain damage. Uh, just her Googling drugs. Remember? That's what I put in there. I was like, that's just, so, I mean, obviously, I know she's losing her like basic knowledge of, you know, parts of science or whatever but like i don't think you needed to google that or whatever she was doing and she already knows so it's like right does she maybe she forgot that too there was exactly two moments in this episode where i no three episodes that made three parts of the episode that made me cringe the hardest that was one maria actually saying bait and switch rather than just letting the audience use their brain and then the malik's the Malik's word that they put in the show that we'll talk about in a minute that I is the cringiest thing I've ever experienced. But those three moments where I was like, you don't, but okay. We really need to show that Liz is losing it. Um, I did enjoy the echo stuff this episode, you know, when it's not cheesy, when it's not the, you're, you are my turquoise. I really, really love it. I love Tesca asking Max, you know, what fuels you? sort of trying to get to the core of, of what Max needs. And of course he says Liz. And that's cheesy, but also very sweet. We already knew. We that's not that's not new information. Of course, you know, having to channel that love and energy from Liz to save everyone at the end is very, it's very echo. It's very them. I wouldn't, you know, I, I would be shocked if they didn't do it. But it's always nice to have that reaffirmed, I guess. Yeah, I really liked that as we knew he it fuels him but at the same time he's terrified of it and because he's terrified of Burton not necessarily he's terrified of his love for Liz but he's scared of losing her and of hurting her with with his powers um and just it just gives more depth to Max's character and, and their relationship it's always nice to see um it was fairly quick how we mastered it, but, you know, if, if you have to, I guess. Right. I think it's, you know, the power of love, right? Like being able to harness it so quickly or whatever. But, you know, Max has equally pissed me off. And also I really have enjoyed him this whole season. I don't know. It's in my brain's in a fog. Like every time I'm like, are you kind of a multidimensional character that I didn't give a lot of credit to sometimes? Maybe, you know, maybe that's my just like, you know, dislike of, of the actor coming through, but this was a good one where I just, anytime, I think it's also just anytime a straight white dude is like the least bit vulnerable and the bar is in hell. It does not take much to impress me, but when you're showing that vulnerability and working with and being guided by Tezka and Isabel and not, you know, we've seen how he's treated women a little bit over the show. It'll, It'll sort of come out but actually listening to Tesca and Isabel and allowing Isabel's strength to help him when he was training. That's nice to see. All right. Max, Max is only palatable, palatable to me when it involves Liz. And that's okay. Cause that's like his only, like, that's like that's his main personality trait <laughs> is being Liz's boyfriend. You just be Liz's soulmate. And that's, that's your whole identity. And that's totally fine. Okay, switching to, I'm going to leave, okay, like I said, this I divided this basically into the three couples and then everyone else. We're just going to immediately end up talking about Malik's next because 
it's just going to take up the bulk of our episode and we just need to be honest with ourselves about that. Um, the sort of fake wedding at the beginning. Um, I have beef with the Malik's thing and I said it before and I'll say it again. Thank you. There is Thank no, you can fan service too much. You can just blur the line between fandom and media too much. Um, that was an immediate ick. Like, I didn't even know I had that as an ick. I didn't even know. I, I heard it. I saw the banner. I did all that. My body physically recoiled back from the screen. Like, what the fuck? And the fact that we, the writers tweeted that it was Bonnie's idea. Solidified that I don't like Bonnie. <laughs> like, that's all it took. I know it's a minor thing. Horrible decision on the part of the writers. No, it's a minor thing, but like when it came up there, it completely took me out of what should have been a very intense emotional moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. also, like it's never been a thing in the show. Also, tell me that you've, you are riding on the wave of, of Malik's supporters on social media without telling me like that, because that's where the bulk of their fandom, the bulk of their people come from, at least vocally online. You know, I'm sure that there's obviously more general audience that's watching but most vocal members of the roswell fandom are malik supporters it just it was the it was just ultimate cringe bad choice please god show writers don't ever do this again ever yeah because like sarah said it's never been a thing before in the show because there are other shows who kind of break that fourth wall and blur the lines a little bit and it, it it works mainly because maybe they have something based on I don't know the couple actually being famous in the show so they have a response from fans so there is a creation of the name that comes from fans inside the show as well as outside and that works and it can work in other ways this didn't or it could be like a cheeky thing that somebody brings up every so often throughout the show like it could have been like that feels like something Isabel would say right like mm-hmm. Isabel or even right something cheeky right but not out of nowhere at the end of the fourth season. That's not, mm-hmm. that's a vibe. And what's supposed to be a very serious scene. Like, like they're literally getting married. Obviously, Michael, <laughs> Michael stops it and, and probably makes the better choice, a better decision, although whatever. It is supposed to be a wedding. I don't know. Anyway, I am, I love the callback to Alex stopping Michael from saying, I love you by Michael stopping this wedding. It's a very cute little throwback, but I did yell a little. Obviously this is not what I did not want them to get married in the other dimension in this weird blue filter that nobody could have gift ever. That's not what I wanted, but you get so close and you're like, Oh, just do it already. Um, it's, it's a little frustrating at the same time. It's totally understandable, um, from Michael's point of view um also understand alex being like i'm literally dying maybe i want to be married to you like officially but again i mean they're in another dimension no like two of their friends are with them alex is dying the world in is dying so doesn't feel like the best moment probably um i am kind of happy michael stopped it because i do want to see like an actual wedding and we will so. I know. Spoiler alert, everyone. Not that this will come out. Any- I didn't know that. 
I literally sent the a photo only, in the group chat. It's only because of the that photo that's everywhere. Um, we don't know any details other than that. Just that photo. Um, and if that's like some sort of joke, it's not fucking funny. So hopefully, hopefully it's real. Um, I did like Alex being the like dying Victorian child the whole episode and just like had a blanket over him. <laughs> like Michael was doing sort of all the work to move him from location to location and, and get them out of there. That was, it, I know it's not supposed to be funny and it wasn't funny. I mean, it was, but um, you know, you can, they did a good job of showing Alex dying. I mean, it was, it was a great progression. So um, I love that even when he's dying, they can still joke because Alex calling Michael plant daddy, I think it just unlocked something inside of me. I was like, what is that? What, uh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. So of all the things he's ever called Michael, that was great. Also my Michael saying baby also jokingly yeah, is so you. perfect. So perfect because it, so I, I can, you know, I'm kind of halfway between they would use pet names and they wouldn't use pet names. And I like both in fan fictions, but I do like that in the show canonically, it's a joke. Like it's, it's said in a jokey way, you know, it's, it's I think it's one of those things that like, it starts as a joke. Like it's like, Oh baby. And then like, as time goes on, like that's just his name for him. Yeah. I really enjoyed that whole scene of them when they were outside sort of digging or whatever for finding fuel. I don't know. Don't make me explain it more than that, but um, signs of life, I guess. And I, I, I really did enjoy all of that. Um, mostly because Michael hot showers with the man you love. You're a dirty sewer rat right now. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like you've been dirty the whole fucking season. You're right. Take a hot shower with the man you love. Correct. At your house often uh but that was something anytime change your shirt yeah shave your face anytime that they have they say the l word though even in passing even in joking amazing um i think no amount of growth like no scenes show michael's growth more than the ones where we saw him literally taking on everything to get alex out of there like physically moving him but also like taking on this sort of emotional toll of getting everyone out. The Michael of season one, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Michael of season two, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. We're really, we really saw some good growth from him. Um, and I enjoyed it. And it's also always, always, always what, what gets me is not only his, their cosmic log, uh, love and whatever, which we already knew about, like we knew the lens that it would go for each other but it's everyone else knowing as well and everyone else realizing that they do like literally would go through fire for each other and the fact that Dallas and Bonnie I mean I don't care about Bonnie but Dallas and Bonnie are helping Isabel and Max go to the other dimension for to help them and get them out it's just so great to see it's just great to see them in a group setting, even when one of them is dying. Like, it's just nice to see them interacting with other people within their dynamic. I, it's like finally letting them, like, be a couple around the people who matter to them, which we didn't have for the entirety of the show. Really? Exactly. 
So in the diner, in the in their the dimension that they're in, Isabel and Alex interacted for maybe the second time in the entire show. Had it been any other actors, I would start to think there was beef. But I know these writers, so I don't think it's that. But it was, you know, it was nice to see, um, as we just said, my, Max and Isabel come into that portal. Then they get to witness Michael and Alex. They get to be there. And, you know, that that's... It was a good choice. I like seeing them interact when they don't normally. Um, Alex dying in the diner. The Titanic and Caulfield vibes were were immaculate. Um, it was, you know, them trying to be self-sacrificing idiots for one another. That, that'll never, that'll be a trope that I hope never dies. I mean, you always want to see that for your ship. Um I mean, knowing Alex saying, you know, leave me behind or whatever. What he was never, Michael was never going to do this. This was dumb, but I'm glad he said it. It was, it was a very romantic moment. Also, Alex so- being like, I love you. I say this with all the love in the world, but stop whining is that's Alex. My favorite that's line of Alex. Alex. I know that is them. And I realized I forgot to put in the outline, but that is very much. It's just so them. It's just always, it's love with a side of like, like reality. Yeah, because it, it's so funny. I mean, funny. It was very emotional and it, it did it very well, but um, it was kind of funny that Michael the whole time was rightfully so terrified and, you know, scared shitless. And I was like, no, Alex, I have to get you out. And Alex was just up and was like, you know, yes, I love you. I get it. Like, I think it's, also, who here forgets that Alex is in the military? <laughs> because because it just has not been framed like his in like his disability and his past in the military and what he's seen. It hasn't been framed as important for so long that I sometimes forget, um, which I think is a failure on writing. But we won't go there. But it was nice to hear him talk about it this episode, and then you realize that he's able to say lines like that because. He's been this scared before. He's been this close to dying. He's been this close to death. And so it was like Michael's physical abilities with, you know, Alex's sort of mental stability to get them through this. And that was really nice to see. I do want to mention that I saw someone, I I can't remember if it was Twitter or, or Tumblr, but mentioning that essentially the writers forgot that Alex was disabled in this episode <laughs> it's like this man went through um quicksand and likely fell into the cave and you know some weeks have passed so probably the first you know if if he was hurt it's probably healed by by the time that michael gets there but and he's struggling to get from one place to the other for other reasons but at the same time you know is a disabled person so i don't know like the fact that it's not I, I, I obviously as an able-bodied person i can can really attest to the fact of whether it's better to have a disabled character which you know is disabled because it's been shown before on the show and just have them carry through life normally or if it would be better to see it, see it every once in a while, every mention every once in a while. I, I can't really attest to that. No. But to I me, it does feel like they're forgetting. Right. They've forgotten it for most of the season. 
for multiple, you know, not just this episode, the whole season, you know, I don't even, I don't even remember season three. It's like, it didn't even happen. But for a lot of season three, I would say the same thing. I think it's just become something that we're supposed to remember. I don't think the casual watcher of the show is going to really remember that, you know, over time. So that was a little bit annoying, but, you know, I do, you know, I'm always going to enjoy the, the trope of, you know, like I said, Michael having to be the sort of physically strong one um, and, and get him to where he needs to go. I do love that it was Michael that caused the storm unintentionally. That's a great twist. There's a great, hey, we forgot we made Michael related to Jones. How do we bring that up in later episodes? Well, have Clyde call him the Bastard Prince, which is fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous title for Michael Guerin. And then have him trigger all this chaos. That scene was so funny because Clyde being like, it's all your Michael's and and Max's fault. And it's kind of double time your fault because the two of you together here makes it even worse. I was like, I mean, sure. Because they don't need more guilt, the two of them. (laughs) That's the thing that certainly Michael Guerin doesn't need is more guilt. But that's why it's always frustrating when things like this happen, because it would have gone so well with the guilt of finding out who Jones was. Like, obviously, that was seasons ago. Like, it doesn't matter. But it would have done so well then if being related to Jones had caused some sort of chaos or possible death. That would have been like just a perfect, perfect moment. But if we had to do it anytime, I guess it's better than never. Yeah, I mean, it's like we have this this really like decent plot twist of Michael being Jones's son. And it was dealt with, you know, in the moment last season. And then just not mentioned again. And it could have been a really interesting thing to play on, you know, even with all the stuff that has happened this season with uh with Clyde and like you know being a fanatical follower of Jones and like this is Jones's son like you would think that there's you know Clyde would have some kind of maybe reverence for him and it's just it's not addressed I I forget that Michael is Jones's son um it's not even that he's just Jones's son he's genetically Max's son and we never got one joke out of it. <laughs> Don't, I can't. And we never got one joke out of it. And that's all I ever wanted was, you know, some jokes out of it. I didn't, I didn't want death and destruction in the pocket dimension. I wanted jokes about him grounding Michael. That's all I wanted. All right. We're going to get to the, <laughs> the final Malik scene that I'm not supposed to laugh at. It's not funny. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but Michael's crying was both equally very sweet. And also I laughed inappropriately. I am so glad I'm not the only one. It's not, it's, I think it's, I don't know what it is. I think it's, we went so long without having interactions like these or Michael showing this about himself or us having this the depth of their love for one another not that we haven't known that but we haven't seen it like on screen all that often and so it was almost like a kind of laugh at a funeral kind of thing like I was like oh this is too much I don't know how to emotionally handle this I I think it was most for me it was mostly 
literally Vlamis's expression. I'm so sorry, Vlamis, if you're listening to this. There is such a thing as too much ugly crying. Like, I'm sorry. Remember the meme of James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek crying? Yeah. That's, that's the vibe. And that's not the vibe we wanted, right? Like, that's the wrong vibe. That's not what we needed. But it was just like an instant of like, and it's, I, I appreciate the sentiment. It was very romantic. But we, that wasn't it. We, we could have done without that. I must have blocked that out because it was too awkward because I don't remember him crying. So I've apparently... It was just quite that for my Right at the end, like they really thought he was like, I want to, I was going to build you a home or whatever. Very sweet words. Oh, Very yeah. I was too emotional words. over that line. I think, I think I blocked out crying. Yeah. Anytime I mention home, that's the, my catnip. I love it. I love it. I love it. We didn't need that paired with the James Vanderbeek face. That's what we didn't need, but it was very sweet. You know, nothing new. They're not saying anything new. This is, you know, this is very Malik season four of saying these really, really sweet things, but you know, we always love a good, we might die. Let me profess my love or, you know, say what you were. At least they led them this time around. Right. Not get to death's door and then not be able to say it to one another at all. Yeah. I did. I, I do want to mention that I also really liked how, how much tender touches, how many tender touches there were throughout the whole episode, um, especially from Michael to Alex. But I think there was something from Alex as well. And just they kept casually touching. Um, obviously, that there's a good reason for it because Michael has to physically carry Alex for most of the episode. But um, like he, stu- he touches his face a lot. Like it was he's with them so, it was this long desert of being touch starved between the two of them. This long, long desert of season two of just nothing. And so, and most of season one. So yeah, anything that's just unintentional and it feels so, and I think this is a test to the familiarity between Lamis and Tyler is that it doesn't feel forced. It felt very natural. It felt like sometimes it was their own choice. I have no idea if it was or not, but that was, you know, it doesn't, it always felt really, really natural. All right. Anything else to Michael and Alex? Okay. I have a brief section about Isabel and Kyle, although they did nothing but kiss. Um, I think that's pretty important. To talk that, about. We need to talk about it though. Right. They kissed. I enjoy that we saw two different kinds of kisses, right? Using, pulling it, pulling the old Michael Guerin. And using kissing and physical touch as a way to avoid emotions. We enjoy that. That's a good trope. But I also really love that moment of Isabel kissing Kyle before she leaps into the pocket dimension or whatever. That was really sweet. I think it solved nothing. We still haven't communicated with one another. We still haven't talked about it. There's only one episode left. But at least she recognizes that like, of course, this is something I would do. And then just kisses the shit out of him or he kisses her I think I don't even remember but and then you know leaves to possibly die I love them uh, I, I still love that it's kind of awkward they're, they kind of don't know what to do they uh, they're very tentative Kyle is trying his damn artist to be respectful and I love him for it uh, my favorite part I think was Max interrupting them just because Throughout the show, it's always been Isabel interrupting his, his brothers. 
um, her brothers whenever they were about to kiss someone or, you know, get intimate with someone. So that was a funny um, throwback parallel. Um, Also, my favorite, favorite, favorite part was Liz's reaction to seeing Kyle and Isabel kiss. That was me. I was, you know, it's so funny to watch. Isabel is so... She's come so far in terms of she just sort of grabs what she wants. You don't really see a lot of hesitance from her. And so to see her very hesitant around Kyle is very sweet. Like they're very sweet with one another. But if we don't get some resolution between the two of them and they just like admit they love each other and they're together next episode. I mean, I can can see the wedding a wedding I, I say like i know that it's like happening. you know there's going to be a wedding we don't know <laughs> the <clears throat> wedding uh i can see that if it's happening um being you know something that would prompt such a conversation if the writers let them have it you know it's not you know that now that they've kissed i we don't need a big professional love because we only have a limited amount of time We've already slept together. We've already kissed multiple times. The depth of their feelings is well is known to us. We're not we're not confused as to where they stand. So all I need is a moment, just an acknowledgement, you know, a moment where they agree to work on it or to you know that that this is the first step towards something. Then I would feel fine. Just let me have some sort of re- resolution for the two of them. I would think that if we have a wedding scene, that that's kind of the scene where. We see all of the couples kind of like solidified, you know, so it doesn't have to be a big moment, but there could be, you know, just a quick moment of Kyle and Isabel. And I'm sure we'll get a big romantic thing with Liz and Max, but, you know, like any of the other couples or potential couples. Um, I still am having a hard time believing that all these people are going to make it to the very end of the next episode alive. I mean, that's wild a wild choice that I wouldn't have been expecting so I'm still like I don't know somebody somebody's gotta die hopefully it's somebody that doesn't matter that's what that's my hope you know my hope Bonnie poor Bonnie this we're so we we're so mean to her all right so the next the last section is actually pretty big because I gathered up all this is all the random little moments with all the random little people that I thought were interesting, but you know, they're just sort of came out of nowhere. Um, the first I have, don't even remember her name. Don't even remember the name of the woman who's there. Fucking Eduardo's daughter. Don't even remember her name. Sonia. Sonia. I, it's another one Why of those. Is she there? She's bonding with Maria. It's another one of those. You've introduced her for five minutes. I don't even know who she is. I don't care. They have this like semi-emotional moment talking about her and Eduardo. We haven't seen Eduardo. (laughs) Like I have no emotional connection to this man anymore. He fulfilled his role in the show. Give it up. I definitely don't care about his relationship with his daughter. I didn't even remember the name. We could have had Eduardo there. At least we know him. Like did Kyle just leave him in Mexico? (laughs) Probably. Is he hanging out with Allie? Oh no. I have no idea what's happening, but I was like, why is she here bonding with one of our main characters when I don't I didn't even I didn't know her name and I also didn't feel the need to Google it. Okay. Yeah, when the camera cut 
to her i was like when did she get here like what what is she doing here exactly um i did kind of like the face maria gave her when she suggested you know helping her with the mindscape and i was like okay maria my sexual maria is still it's is canon in my heart okay it's there's canon. still vibes that come out in this show and i'm sorry I, I'm, I, it's at the end but i'm gonna say it tesca and isabel the vibes the scene mm-hmm. episode what's happening are you all just so good at chemistry with other people that everyone you talk to it, it, you, we could ship them like i don't know what that is but i would agree it was a weird at just every moment. The bisexual Maria exists somewhere. Uh, my other notes are Bonnie and Clyde are siblings. Talk about weird fucking vibes because I did not get a sibling vibe. I got they kinda, it. They kind of talked about it before. I think she said something like that to Michael, probably. Probably. I don't really listen a whole lot when Bonnie talks, but the vibes between between them have never been sibling vibes. No. I thought it was like like lovers. So sorry, guys. I I read the room wrong on that one. That's my that's my bad. So when they well, said, I mean, they called them Bonnie and Clyde, who were a married couple. <laughs> Thank you. That's I don't know if I got. I mean, named after like a sort of tragic, you know, homicidal couple. I assumed that they were boning on the down low, yeah, yeah. but I guess not. I guess they're siblings. That's a weird thing to call siblings. Let's not ever do that again. My next note, sort of rapid fire, just random moments that I think are important. Why are Maria the Dallas, Maria is the closest with Dallas? Thank you. She and Michael dated for a year, a year. I thought we were going to get some weird Maria and Michael tension moment with with Maria there. And then she pops up in front of Dallas and I'm like, she just just met Dallas like three months ago. Things. That we're meant to just accept they've gotten closer than we've seen, right? Because mm-hmm. we've seen lots of scenes with them, and 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 I can I can understand that they've done a lot of talking, but it's wild to me that of all those people, that it would be Dallas. I would think he would be low on the totem pole of people that she. You've got you've got Alex, Michael, Isabel, her family member, like. I don't, I don't get it. And that moment, you know, I thought from the beginning that they're siblings and I don't think we're going to get that at this point. But like when she popped up with him, I was like, oh, this is going to be the revelation that they're related. Like, but. Mm-hmm. 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 Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's been so long. I forgot I even had that theory. Yeah. So I don't think that that's going to happen, but no. that. But then I was like, is this romantic? Are they just friends? Have I lost the ability to just see men and women as friends because of the show? I don't know. I don't know. But it was just funny to me because of all the people, you know, like. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, she does say she kind of got close to Alex. And I, I mean, probably because Alex is dying. And Michael, I would say, is not paying any attention to anything that is not Alex. So that makes kind of sense you know but then um, the next logical step is isabel yeah. plus we've seen that michael was missing signs from alex before like i think he would have to be really in tune with something mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think that's how michael functions like i don't think he's just like a giant tornado of emotions i don't think he'd be paying attention to anything 
Yeah. And I agree. That's why it was funny when she popped up at Dallas because I would have thought Isabel would be the next. Also, what, what what was funny about that scene to me is that she looks at the paper with a recipe formula on it. I don't know. Um, and then the the light comes down, you know, and she's she's kind of ejected from the mindscape. And I would think that would prompt her having had no time to memorize the, the paper. She looked at it for half a second. Yeah, and she remembered. No way. I was like, okay. Just absolutely. Am I, like, am I inventing more drama than I love the, like, I do love the the sort of throwback to Ghost, though, with the Patrick Swayze, because she was, like, trying to grab the paper and her hand went through, and I was like, Jesus. Like, this is so... So cheesy. I loved it. You know, she looked, she looked at it. You wouldn't even be able to focus your eyes in the amount of time she looked at it. And then all of a sudden it was like, give me a pen. I'm like, give me a pen for what? You want to sketch what just happened? Because I know you don't remember what's on that page. Maria has a photographic memory. We just didn't know it. Sure. You know what? If you can bring the word Malix into this show, we can talk about it. You can bring anything in. I don't care. Um, an unexpected scene that I was not, not only wasn't I expecting, but it hit me really hard in terms of the overarching theme of the show was Dallas kind of spiraling over his dad. It was a brief moment, means nothing in the long run, but then Isabel talking about Oppenheimer. It was such a good parallel with Michael and in Max and this just everyone in the show has a has a good solid daddy or mommy issue, right? And so Dallas sort of spiraling over what what his dad did and and you know the death he's he's caused or whatever that was a nice moment because this could have been michael i mean this was michael really um and so it was an unexpected sort of parallel i liked it uh y- yes and no i think um kind of i think i thought it was kind of harsh to compare theo to well yeah person who invented yet yeah <laughs> And I was like, eh, that's maybe too much. I mean, this man was trying to create something that would keep a dictator from, you know, returning to his own planet and everyone, you know, follow him. He didn't really know that his son and his friends were going to get into this um, parallel world. And it is a parallel world. So the real world, as far as we know it, would not have been affected. So it's kind of like, eh. right. I mean, he's definitely not, yeah, this is not like nuclear bomb kind of level of things, but I think just the idea of sort of spiraling over what your parent is and what they have done and sort of coming to grips with that, you know, would it make more sense if he was having this conversation with Michael? Probably, <laughs> but whatever. Very random writing kind of thrown in there. All right. My other my last note is absolutely personal. Uh, me per having personal beef with the writers. When Shivani, when when Isabel and Rosa sort of trap Shivani and have her follow them, thinking that they have the whatever, whatever, random science alien thing, the console. Um, having Maria say you fell for bait and switch is not good writing. Just the look when she when she did that and they looked at one of that would be all you need. That's all you need. You don't have to say, hey, you fell for the old bait and switch. No, horrible writing. Also because 
they like the way they cut it and the way they edited it it worked really well so it had you know you didn't there was need no you didn't yeah. need it would have been fun it would have been better without it so yeah <laughs> just to just have maria give that that smart ass would <laughs> you look that and then you're, you're bad it was a personal again it was one of my three moments where i was like this i hate the show so fucking much and that was one of them um truly my last note is that Clyde actually became a good villain for me this episode. Right at the end. And I think that I need to go to therapy. Because the minute he did that, I was like, are you hot? Did you become hot? When did this happen? And I think it's because he finally became a good villain. I've been waiting this whole time. It finally became interesting. Revealing information, like like breaking the bonds of the thing. I was like, oh, okay. It's finally like jones level kind of villainry and that's what i've been waiting for well like power wise are we supposed to, to think that he's like super jones now like and we've got 45 minutes to deal with him to wrap up all these storylines for a possible malik's wedding and have everybody write up i it's a lot but i did like him in this episode like i like the fanatical power hungry follower bent that they've gone with Clyde. This is what we should have seen from Clyde from the beginning, right? This is right. This is something that should have should have been developing way longer than the fucking episode 12 out of 13. Like that's finally it's almost like they'll have good villains right in front of their face and they don't know what to do with them. They make Tesca good. They may give Tesca and Isabel this like emotional scene right at the end and then Tesca sacrificing herself and Isabel being really emotionally affected like blah 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 so do they just keep ruining these villains and here they had Clyde if this is what they wanted then this is what should have been the whole time yes um the whole time I'm like just letting go back you know just just letting go just letting go back to his planet because the whole time I've been thinking i I did not think that there were someone left there. And then this episode, they were like, oh, because, you know, it was saying, I don't know, I can rule my planet, whatever, whatever. I was like, there's still people there? Like, I was under the impression since season one that all of them got to her altogether. And then some survived and some were in Caulfield and some were the aliens that we have now, all all of that. So I never thought that there would be people back in Oasis. Maybe maybe, maybe the it, planet, but not the people. Maybe the Ophiuchus people are the ones who left. <laughs> and everybody else was... But then why did, did Max and Michael's moms... And stuff, like, why did they stay? Like, I mean, why did they leave? You know, why didn't they just stay? Why are you looking for resolution to these problems? <laughs> watching the show the whole time? It doesn't matter. I don't know. My solution to Clyde, the Clyde problem is just let him go back and whatever. Yeah, but you know, he's gonna turn it, he's gonna try to turn it into like a dictator. I get why they can't, you know. I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's just it's you can't just unleash him on these people. Like that's not morally put him on a ship, explode the ship. There we have it. What ship? What ship? Yeah, what ship? I don't know. Are we building a ship in the next 45 minutes? Okay, the, the portal. I don't know, whatever. 
All right. I have no more notes for this episode. I, d- I do want to talk about um, the, the, the scene that you mentioned uh, with Tesca and Isabel um, because it was sort of emotional just because of the whole kind of vibe of the whole episode. Exactly. And that, yeah, yeah and, and Lily was very good and uh, Isabel's emotion. And that we know that she has had trouble getting close to people, especially women in the past. So um, I, I got Isabel's emotion, but at the same time, I, I, I don't care about Tesca. I, I don't care. I, I cared about villain Tesca in the sense that I was interested in what she did. And then, sure, they had important conversations and Isabel helped her, helped her but I was like, the moment that she was revealed as good, I was like, I don't care anymore. And they did not give us enough time to care about her as anything other than, you know, an extra character. So, yeah. I mean, that scene got to me a little bit only because Lily's so good. And, you know, you cared about her in this, Tesca in the sense that you care about Isabel who cares about Tesca. Um, but I mean, I, it's just another, if somebody, had, if somebody had to sacrifice themselves to get them through the portal, I'm glad it was Tesca and not right. you know, one of our faves. I think, Again, it all comes down to if we had more time where the characterization of her and Isabel when, they, when, when Isabel was younger, when they were younger, if that had been time to be fleshed out, right? The more time spent on the bond that they had then and the bond they have now, maybe I would really care. Until now, I mean, the, the way it is now, it felt too much like lovers saying goodbye to be, you know, and to be sort of her sacrificing herself for her student. And I'm like, wait, you were trying to kill your student not that long ago. Why now do you have this sort of emotional bond? Um, I don't know. Also, what's funny to me is that I, I know it's because I didn't pay, pay attention, but the tattoo thing and the fact that the ones that had the tattoo from with Jones's DNA or whatever that was, kept them there. I was like, what? What? When the when was this said? I have no idea. The last because, episode. Okay, but because the Clyde was noise. already trying to get it off, so I didn't think it was something that had to do with the you know other dimension. And then not a clue. Not a clue. Okay. I, I agree. No, I it's just it's, you know it, it's so classic Roswell now that I see these symbols or see these things or I'm just like, oh, that's probably important. I'm never going to remember that in six episodes when I'm supposed to remember that. So good to know. I agree. All right. I have one thing that I want to talk about. Yes. And it's something that we've brought up every episode. We are now at the last episode and there's still no alley. <laughs> I don't think you're getting alley, babe. I, I think this, Janine, Janine posted a story with her but I'm not sure if Shiri directed an episode. Maybe she directed the finale. Um, but she well, uh, anyway. Janine said thirty seconds from me and and Shiri. So maybe next episode. I don't know. Maybe she will come and drag you know her okay. wife away and be like, nope. I want a compilation of Mick always saying next episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> next episode, maybe. Next episode, we'll get this next one. Okay, but you know what? I was editing, what was it, episode eight? And we talked about wanting a Malik's engagement. There we go. Mix one thing we got right. One yeah, thing. thing. Favorite part of the episode. Um, my favorite part, other than Malik's, because we you know we can talk about that, was I think the scene with Liz and Kyle and uh, Rosa after. Liz tries to get into the cabinet with a mist um, and she's breaking down and she's crying and um, Janine was just amazing in that and um, just Kyle and Rosa trying to find a way to help her um, it's just very good I don't know I really liked it mostly because of Janine's acting I have to say Sarah uh I don't know that I had a favorite part that wasn't Malik's and the Kyle and Rosa and Liz scene. Um, I, I don't know. Cause like all I really cared about in this episode was Malik's and then the, the Liz stuff, it's hard. It, I, you know, Michael and Mar- I'm not Michael, um, Dallas and Maria, because I like their scenes together. So I still don't know what vibe I'm supposed to get from them, but it's very pretty to look at. We've seen with Bonnie and Clyde that you can you can go from lovers to siblings, I guess. I don't know. That's what the show loves to do, because they've done this to us before. <laughs> uh, mine is a lot more light lightheaded, lighthearted. Um, when they Isabel and Kyle kiss, and she has her little, like, freak out like of course I do this right before you know I just it's so classic Isabel and I can't I want to go back and rewatch I can't remember who kisses who I think Kyle kisses her to shut her up which I'm a big fan of that trope if done right because it doesn't always work out and I enjoyed that I think maybe it does I think he maybe she asks him I think that is what happened I think she's sort of spiraling and she's like making it clear that she's gonna kiss him and he's like okay well I'll just fuck it I'll just go ahead and do it you know so that's a perfect, a perfect use of that trope, which can get really weird really quickly, but I loved it. That was so cute. And then Liz's face of like, right after it was really cute. So, and you need a lot of cute moments. It was either that or Michael calling Isabel Chicken Little. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I have to say, I understand. I know what, who Chicken Little is. I did not understand why he was saying that in that moment. Because she said the sky is literally falling, which is what Chicken Little said in the, in the book. Oh, okay. I've and never the watched The sky is literally movie. falling. And he's like, okay, Chicken Little. Like it was, you know, very okay. classic. Very sibling Not only Michael and Isabel, but so classic Michael that they are literally about to die and he can't stop being sarcastic. Like, even on pain of death, you can't shut your fucking mouth. Like uh, that is my favorite thing ever. So either, either one of he's going to go out, he's going to go out as Michael Garrett. Um, so the questions that we got for this episode that you sent, Mick, some of those were actually for the previous question for a previous episode. So um, what I do want to mention is <laughs> no worries. Elena said, Maria and Dallas, is that happening? We have no idea. <laughs> we don't even know if they're related or not. So I don't know if we should ship them or not, but I love that we're all confused. And I love that that continues to be a theme 
I'm hoping that while we're, you know, as we were talking that this sort of, if there's a wedding, I'm getting like end of Dawson's Creek vibes, right? When they got married at the end, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. But if we have that, maybe it'll be one of those things where Maria and Dallas will either talk about how they're related or get together. I don't know. (laughs) This is a very um, interesting vibe to have with uh, (laughs) Game of Thrones back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm sitting there watching House of the Dragon and being like, oh, the uncle and his niece. That's all right. Cool. Things that pop culture makes us okay with is okay. But also, I think it was in the question as well as like, where is Alex's brother? Where is Greg? He hasn't been mentioned since episode. It was the same question when she was talking about Maria and Dallas. Where's Alex's brother? Dead? I have no idea. Clearly, that was meant to just be a season three thing. And as much as I love them, they were apparently a, he, they were a divisive couple within the fandom that I didn't know about, but what? apparently like a big thing. I don't know. I don't know. We're definitely not going to go into that now, but so I know there's a lot of people that were happy that he, he didn't come back in that capacity, but they gave them such a good romantic story in season three. And I know it's because what's his face had like other obligations to film or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. That's so weird. All right, that's it. That's all we got for season, for episode 12 of season four. Um, One more episode. So we will see you next weekend, the weekend after. We don't know what our posting schedule is. We'll get it all out to you eventually. So in the meantime, find us on Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at Queer Alien Blast. Leave us your thoughts, your opinions, any of that. And we'll talk about it next episode.